0: Egypt, 1334 BC The doctor fights alien locust He tries to leave oh, way, oh. The queen becomes overcome with lust He's a bizarre man through any eyes Does see what bow ties for a bet? But most ladies oh, way, oh. They love him like they love chocolate He can make evil royalty say oh, way, oh, way, oh. Flirts like an Egyptian Tara is queen of the TT of the Nile. She's got the moves. Oh, She's giving him that come here the smile. This ain't no dusty history book seductions Don't always run to plan. Embarrassing. Oh, She's flirting like an Egyptian. Get your psychic paper out and say, wey-oh, wey-oh, wey-oh. flirt like an Egyptian.
1: My, you're a fine bit of Egyptian, rusty. Ow, oh, my plums! Sorry, I think we got off on the wrong foot. Can I ask you to- <gasps> Oh! I'll take that as a note!
0: Just let you leave without her. Shift yourself, then you stumble back like Amy did. Oh well. Oh. She's trying to get you in the sack. Please don't think we disapprove. Why should the men have all the fun? She'll have to choose. Oh well. Oh. From a sleeping pill and a massive gun and there'll be no spanking here. Try it and she will snap your neck And riddle nose Oh, way-oh. How to flood just like Egyptians mm-hmm. Who'll be your mommy tonight? oh, way oh, like an Egyptian Flirt like an Egyptian
2: Hello and welcome to the Oodcast Ah, It's nice to be back (laughs) This. It's nice to have you back. Yeah. Hi, Alf. Thank you. Hang, hello, hello, yes. All right, me this, old mucker. Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. So welcome back to the Oodcast. This is Series 5, Episode 3, where at some point during this episode, <laughs> we will talk about dinosaurs on a spaceship. Yeah, we so, lost it, Alf. I know. Before, <laughs> before I find my, <laughs> my my rhythm, let's go to the Oodcast news. <laughs>
3: Welcome to the Oodcast News. Speeding towards Earth on a rocket ship of facts so awesome that India is getting ready to launch a missile at us. Go on, try it India. You can't stop journalism. Or dinosaurs.
4: Intergalactic police have issued the following warning all greedy, immoral businessmen should be wary of a random traveling gang whose leader, it would appear, can have very little sympathy with their purely profit-driven attitude.
1: Moving on to technology news now, and a recent study by some scientists has shown that an estimated 60% of the internet is now taken up with animated GIFs of the Doctor Kissing Rory. Rory.
2: Topical stuff. The Red Arrow staged a flyover of central London this afternoon in what most people thought was part of the post-Olympic celebrations. BBC sources today confirmed, however, that it was actually in celebration of the first Chris Chibnall episode of Doctor Who to not make most fans cry with disappointment. The route was a complete coincidence, one said. The Merker has revealed that discussions are
4: ongoing to secure a role in the 21st century Doctor Who. There were hopes that it might provide the Silurian arcs onboard security in this week's episode, but negotiations broke down over plans to render some of its role in CGI.
1: Stephen Moffat has left Twitter. WTF? Question mark said a grieving fan. He gave me lols. All the feels. Hashtag TTFN. Hashtag ComebackSteven. Hashtag MoffToSeeTheWizard.
2: And finally... Research carried out by the Oodcast research team in the last week has revealed the actual real-life location of the Asylum of the Daleks. Grouchy lifeforms consumed and driven by hatred, milling around, wallowing in their own distaste and unhappiness. It's Gallifrey Base.
3: That was the Oodcast News. Body the size of an articulated lorry, brain the size of a Cadbury's cream egg. news. So this next episode that we're going to review, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, was written by one Chris Chibnall.
1: Yes, and we haven't been very kind to Chris Chibnall in the past. I would characterise this as actively hostile. We've certainly been less than generous. And
3: Here's a montage from previous episodes to get you up to speed.
4: Chibnall!
3: Did they only upgrade the bikini
4: area? Wouldn't know memorable dialogue if it smacked him around the face with a rolled up script. I hate
1: him. I hate his stupid face. If I ever see him, I'm going to slap the taste out of his mouth. His... Pacing is all over the place. It's like his episodes have drunk a triple espresso and then got shot in a lift.
3: It's actually offensive. Could he still write with broken fingers?
1: None
2: of it makes sense. It could all have happened in one episode easily. Chip,
3: no! Here's an idea. Try and be more patronising. Go on. I dare you. You painful. Suffocating. Talentless. talentless lazy. Dull. Workmanlike. SHIPNOL!
0: Oh,
1: 42 was good though, wasn't it? Chip Chip, no! no! has this episode changed anyone's mind? No.
2: Yeah, sort of?
1: Yeah, a bit. Uh, me, yeah, definitely. I thought it was much more fun. It showed a sense of fun that I haven't seen in a Chibnall script ever, really. A kind of playfulness that just hasn't been there. Plenty of lovely, lovely
4: one-liners. Lots of humour. A ripping yarn, as we say in England. A romp.
2: Yeah. Yes. With a good contentious end as well.
4: Well, I wasn't very pleased about that. I was I was hooting all the way through the episode until the bit where the Doctor actually executes someone. I'm not happy with that at all.
2: Yeah, well, it, he did execute someone who had executed presumably hundreds and hundreds of... Well, thousands, well, yeah, probably. An entire race. Yeah,
4: but it's not his choice when someone's
2: life should it's end. It's not the only time it's happened. How is
1: really? it any different from throwing the tangerine at the Sycorax button mm. and making the Sycorax drop? I wasn't happy with that either. Okay, fair enough. Well, Well, consistency
2: is all we ask. Yeah,
1: I wasn't happy either, but yeah, I really thought there would be consequences or there was a a reason for it. I was really thinking something was else was going to happen there, and it didn't, and that did make me feel uneasy.
3: I was just sad because I know the guy. Do you? Yeah. Well, I say I know him. Did you try and buy you? Seen him in
2: Harry Potter?
3: No, no, no. I have met him. Well, met him. Oh, the actor. There was one time when I was typing a report at work and I left my office and I opened the door and he was standing outside the door in a workman's outfit. And I looked at him and I thought, I know you. <laughs> so I did that old, hey, how you doing? <laughs> that you do with somebody that you know. And it turned out that he was an actor who I'd just seen in lots of films, including Harry Potter. And then I was a bit embarrassed.
4: Why was he wearing like a, um, a sort of workman's outfit type thing?
3: Because I believe he was in Ashes to Ashes at the time, playing oh. somebody who was in uh, prison.
1: Not awesome. in between jobs then? Nope. Yeah. yeah, David Bradley, he just does a
2: bit of road maintenance. You know that when he's caretaker so role duty. he does in Harry Potter? That's not acting. No. no. He knows he, how to do that. He's really. an actual school caretaker.
3: He plays a guy on Hunger Strike who Gene Hunt taunts with a succulent pile I of fish I remember. And chips.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> As soon as we're talking about David Bradley, I thought he was amazing. He was great. Yes. I really liked great. his crutches. He is so mm. slimy. He's, his screen presence just makes my skin he, crawl. He I love horrible. him.
3: They made him look like a giant obsidian cricket. That's true.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and so, I loved his delivery of the, you could help me, so much more. That was a I beautifully pantomime villain delivery. The only
2: thing I heard that camp was the robots. Well, I'm sure we'll come back to them. And I
4: hooted with laughter when I saw the credits for who played them. Really? Did Mm -hmm. you not know it before? No, I didn't realise. Did you all realise who it was? Yes. Yes. At one point, I thought
1: the one being played by David Mitchell, I thought, was actually Matt Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting, and it's interesting to consider, isn't it, everyone, what other double acts might have been in place of Mitchell and Webb?
2: No, I don't think so. Okay.
4: Right. I got this famous double act subroutine free with you two rust buckets. Apparently it has hundreds of options available, guaranteed to keep me entertained for centuries. Let's see if it was worth it.
0: I
5: say, I say, I say, I have a dog. Affirmative. Who has no nose. Information received. So how does it smell? Logically, it would be unable to due to its hideous disfigurement. Ha, ha
4: ha 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 Hmm... Must not be calibrated
5: properly. I'll try another. Well, this is another fine mess you got me into.
6: I'm sorry Ollie, I didn't mean to. Hell, oh, let me pick up the plank! Uh,
5: why I ordered? Oughta...
6: I'm sorry Ollie, I didn't mean it Ollie! <laughs> I don't think so. Bring me
5: sunshine in your smile. No. What are we going to do tonight, brain? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to conquer the world. I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. He's dead. That's what's wrong with it. No, no, he's uh, rested. To me. To you. I love you. I know. Try an Abbott on a spaceship! Have you thought out some clever plan, Doctor? Yes, Jamie, I I believe I have. What are you going to do? Bung a rocket it. How you doing? Could I be any more robotic? Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't! Yes, I can! No, you can't! We're on a mission. From God. Switch to red alert, Crichton. Are you sure, sir? It does mean changing the bulb. A miracle. Here's our own hands against our hearts. Come, I will have thee, but by this light I take thee for pity. I would not deny you, but by this good day I yield upon persuasion, and partly to save your life, for I was told you are in a consumption. Peace, I will stop your mouth.
4: Right, that's it. No kissing.
5: I've had enough. I'm turning you off. So it's good night from me, and it's good night from here. Thank
4: goodness for that. I'm not sure I could have taken much more of that.
5: What's that guy looking at me for? Oh dear, I hope he's not a chav. He looks like a chav. I've just had a brilliant idea for the new album. Let me see if I can ditch Mark and go and tell Superhands. Watch where you're pointing that thing, mate. I don't believe it. It's stuck
4: on Peep Show, season five. What am I going to do?
6: You don't
5: fancy watching a World War II documentary later, do you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but seriously, I, th- I thought in the entire episode, I think the robots are the only slight downside for me. Yes. You um, are having a were, bubble. They were rubbish. The, the they dialogue, were not as rubbish as other points. They, yeah, their dialogue was rubbish. I thought um, the, the design was brilliant. Yes, they I'm not really
3: listening nice. to this! There we go, that was me being one of them having a tantrum.
2: Well, I'm not having a tantrum! I think the problem is that the, the trailer, where the only thing you see of them is one of them saying, We're quite angry with you, is really funny mm. and it made it look awesome. And then they were a bit crap. Yeah,
1: damp squib, definitely damp um, squib of the episode. Which to is me. a shame.
3: I'm, I'm amazed that you call that damp squib when you've got the doctor. Hugging a big ball of foam and wire and latex and going, oh, my little tiny baby,
1: oh. Oh, the animatronics on the t- uh, Triceratops I thought were brilliant. I thought the dinosaurs were fine.
3: Dinosaurs don't have tear ducts. They can't cry. So why was, was that one crying?
1: It was weeping pus. <laughs> <laughs> From its eyeballs. Now, Laws, you <laughs> were the only one that, that was slightly less than positive when we went on our sort of initial run round. So could you tell me why you weren't so excited by it?
3: Well, when there's a point in an episode where I go, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me, because my sense of disbelief has just had to be suspended so far as when the Doctor is hugging the dying Triceratops, that that kind of really ruined the whole thing for me. And it, and also the uh, interaction between Nefertiti And Solomon, where he says he's going to break her in, just had really, really nasty overtones of rape. And, you know, I just, I'm not very happy or comfortable with that. But I think probably. The bit that I liked the most was actually a bit that made me very proud of myself, where from the initial uh, silhouette of the two dinosaurs as they opened the first airlock, I correctly identified them as Ankylosaurus yes. from the very first image. And they yes. did not go then to you, say that they were Ankylosaurus. I
2: just knew it. <laughs> you, can, you can proudly sit in the pantheon of dinosaur knowledge-based greats with Luke. Sorry, with the littlest doctor. So plenty of you have been asking uh, what's happened to the Littlest Doctor, where is he, why isn't he doing anything, all of those things, Um, and probably different things as well, and none of the above. But this week, I knew that he had seen dinosaurs on a spaceship, and the next day, I got uh, a chance to ask him what he thought about it.
6: Um, Dinosaurs on a spaceship was really good. Um... (laughs) Rory's dad played fetch with a, a no, I can't, triceratops, and it was really funny. I loved it. It was really cool. I really, really loved it. It's the best Doctor Who I've watched in my whole life.
2: And how many Doctor Who's have you seen? Uh, Three,
6: isn't it? Three, yeah. (laughs) That's it.
2: So it's better than, what were the other two? It's better than the eleventh hour. With Prisoner Zero, yes, and it's better than Victory of the Daleks,
6: yes. High praise. Good. I loved, well, I loved it. Well, I loved the way that your two I loved the way that that what that the Doctor's friend found two guns that that electrified the T-Rexes.
2: I thought they would send them to sleep.
6: Yeah, it sent them to sleep by electrifying them a bit.
2: Oh, I see, I see. Is that how you send dinosaurs to sleep? Yeah. Give them an electric
6: shock. Yes. Oh. It is, but it was really good. I loved it.
2: So there you are. He loved it, I think. I, I'm not sure, but I think he loved it. He's He's a bit of a... Dinophile. An expert and, yes is that a word Dinophile? I d- it is now it's okay. good enough for me he's a bit of a dinophile if that doesn't have really bad connotations as well you know how <laughs> people who love the x-file were called x-files yes with a
1: ph oh that's clever people have started calling who fans hooligans which i think is much better than whovians i think we should <laughs> yeah. be hooligans from yeah. now on <laughs>
0: Oh,
3: guys, I learned how to make a weapon that's frequently used by uh, English football hooligans. It's called a Millwall Cosh, and you make it by wadding up a piece of newspaper until it's really, really stiff and then hitting someone with it. Isn't that Mm, papier-mâché? No, no. 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 (laughs) You can put a pencil in it if you want to do some real damage. Maybe if you're going to visit Chris Chibnall. Oh, Oh, no.
1: no, I'm going to defend Chris Chibnall. I know there has been a lot. Of things slung at him uh, verbally (laughs) over the
2: internet.
3: Mm. I once slung some poo at him, like a monkey.
2: Nice. But as it was over the internet, you just had to clean your screen again. What did you do? Did you just Mm. tweet him? Hashtag poo.
3: I was like, only reptiles used to be able to do this, but now, look, monkeys are doing it.
2: (laughs) Well, I
4: don't think it's very nice to tweet abuse at people. Chris, continue your defence
1: of Mr Chibnall.
3: Speaking of tweeting abuse at people, oh. isn't it sad that poor old Stephen Moffat has had to leave because of rubbish, rubbish fans? That's
1: not the official line. The official line has got too much work, but we all know it's people being mean to him.
3: So come back, Moff. We will lavish you with praise and also stroke you back.
2: So let's defend Chris Chibnall. You, you, go for it, Chris. I'm...
1: I haven't been a huge fan of his in the past. I certainly was not a big fan of Torchwood season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like 42, uh, but I found the Silurian two-parter very uninvolving, very cold. Ha <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, it it just I quite didn't... like
3: Bluegrass, the music, not the thing in the episode.
1: Right. So that was just a non sequitur then. Yep. But this one I thought had a real sense of fun in place. It didn't have the pacing problems that I felt plagued some of his other episodes. I think... The dialogue would have sparkled more if Moffitt had written it, particularly between the gang. But I thought it was a lovely, it's just a really enjoyable romp and it made me laugh. And there was a beautiful line in it, which was, um, ah, ancient civilizations, so full of hope. Because they didn't have guns on the ship and I thought that was a brilliantly Doctor
2: Who thing. Mm. I, well, for what it's worth, I agree with you. Um, I enjoyed, I did enjoy 42. I didn't watch the rest of tortured because of tortured season one, um, and the Silurian two-parter I thought was really patchy. It kind of built up well and then just fizzled out.
3: Like a patch of blue grass, perhaps.
2: If you try, yeah, maybe. But yes, I really, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it. Unfortunately, there's a kind of modicum in truth in a phrase I heard over the weekend, which was, it, "He, um, he, it means a small amount." Andy. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> it, um, it. What I heard said was that this was his first like properly mad zany episode was the word they use, which is one that made me cringe um, because it just reminds me of people that say, hello, I'm mad. You're just dull. It, it was Scorch. his pro- first first. Never attempt. go to the Asylum of the Daleks. They're all <laughs> saying that over there. Yeah, I believe them. Um, it, it was his first attempt at like a silly episode and it was kind of, the thing that he managed to pull off more than anything he's tried before in Doctor Who. Yeah, it's uh, definitely and, his best episode. And I like there were little touches like the fact that at the end, it ne- Nefertiti goes with, with Riddle and that looks a bit pointless, but actually it kind of matches up with her actual historical yeah. background. She, she disappeared vanishes. at the point. She, she disappears in records at the point where he where she goes off with the Doctor. I tell
3: you what fizzled, the fizzled my spark back. with that. Mm. Well... She has a full head of curly hair when she comes out the tent. But of course, Egyptian royalty would have had to have had their heads shaved in order to wear ceremonial wigs.
2: Perhaps it was a wig. Maybe the the passing of time.
3: Are you saying she just happened to have a wig just with her? She maybe, could have Maybe done. he
1: did. We don't know how much time passed yeah. between the end of the episode and that well, bit Well, I was going to come to that point as well. He could have made, made her a wig out of zebra yeah. hair. I love the explanation of the Silurians as the owners of the Ark. Mm. That made total sense. That was a really lovely... Were they
4: trying to get away from Adric hitting the Earth with his spaceship?
1: I think they were, yeah. I think they were fleeing Adric. (laughs) As most of us do. I (laughs) thought it would have
4: been quite funny if the the Silurian Ark had been heading for Alzarius. you know, as a sort of tit for tat.
3: I fled Matthew Waterhouse once. He was trying to sell me a book. Morning, Captain.
1: What? Oh, morning, Terence. Sleep well?
3: Well enough, thank you. Considering the size of the bunks, we're not really designed for us.
1: Oh, we have a complaint.
3: Well, not really. I mean, the ship was built for Silurians, right? I am not a Silurian.
1: No, you're right there.
3: I am a Triceratops, aren't I?
1: Yes, it does seem that way.
3: Just like you being a Tyrannosaurus Rex, I could not fit into the sleeping quarters.
1: I see. Yes. Well, that's why I've taken to sitting in the bath. Nothing so luxurious, you know. I can imagine.
3: It's also the only thing in the ship large enough to accommodate you.
1: What are you saying? That I need to lose weight? Cooey! Did someone mention losing weight?
3: I don't think so.
4: Because I'm your Pteranodon, if you did.
1: Lovely. But as no one did, would you mind just popping along and doing something else? All right. But I'll be back. Really? Really? Can't a predatory theropod have a bath in peace these days?
3: That's the problem with being on board the B-Arc, sir. No one on board has an essential skill, so they're all itching to do something useful.
1: Well, one of them could work out a way to adapt the controls of this flipping ship. I had to practically lie down on the panel with all those button thingies just to adjust the course three degrees. It'll be because of your tiny little arm, sir. I know why it was, boy! I wasn't asking for a diagnosis, just that something be done. And quickly, before that damn stegosaurus with the scissors comes back asking if I want a haircut. Yes. Or the ankylosaurus trying to flog double glazing tries again. I'll get on to that, sir. Good. The sooner we get there, the better. I mean, do I look like I have hair? Or need new windows putting in? Captain! Captain! Oh, what is it now? Can none of you see? I'm in the bath.
2: Clearly he didn't. We've just had a distress call from the AARC, sir. They've been hijacked by a caretaker and some camp robots.
1: Mmm, Delightful for them. They could stage a barbecue, maybe a cabaret. With camp robots, perhaps they could even pull off a panto. It means we're under
2: orders to travel at reduced power, sir.
1: Which means?
3: Low lighting, less heating and no more hot water until further notice, I'm afraid, sir.
1: Ah, I see. Better get out soon then. I'll get onto the control deck issue, sir. Thank you. Oh, before you go, Terrence. Yes? Could you pass me the soap? I can't reach. I've only got little arms, you see.
3: Okay, so if, if I can say one thing that I like, and then I know Andy is just fizzling with excitement there, and ready to come back with all sorts of whipple type critiques.
1: Did you just say whipple one?
3: <laughs> whipple wheel, which is actually a species of bird. Okay. But never mind, doesn't matter. Like Kestrels. a loon, a loon is a sort of bird, There's really a really annoying bird. It features very strongly in the song by Tom Green, um called "My Bum."
1: Everyone, I think I just need to say at this point the Laura hasn't has only seen the episode once, so as you can see, most of her points this week are not actually about the episode.
3: Here's what I wanted to say. I quite liked when Amy takes on some of the doctor's characteristics and sort of has Mm. to fend off the flirty nefertiti and riddle behind her back and then does an exciting thing with a glowing ball and is all like, Yeah, let's get on with it. I'm the queen and it sort of takes away from the whole obvious foreshadowing of her death. that, mm.
4: Yes, and there's that scene with her and the doctor. And he says something, not if... What was
1: it? Well, this is a good story. Ah.
3: You'll be around till the end of me. Oh, the end of me. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. And then dun, they both... Dun, dun. They look at each other meaningfully. And there's that bit that goes... Doof, <laughs> doof, 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 doof.
1: <laughs> like <laughs> Extenders.
2: Uh, anyway, so the one thing we haven't talked about is um, Rory's dad. I loved him. Oh, mm-hmm. he was brilliant, yeah. Mark
1: yeah. Williams. I've loved him since the Fast Show. Yeah. Ah, oh, me
2: too. I, I did my favorite, possibly my favorite moment of the entire episode is the is him sitting on the edge of the TARDIS, mm. eating his lunch, looking at the Earth. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. That was, that was really nice, and it really reminded me of Wilf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've have heard in some places people suggesting maybe this is Stephen Moffat's Wilf. And He's going to going to try and correct the the injustice he did to the character of Wilf, who was lovely and brilliant, and they gave a bit of a rubbish story to, to star in uh, in the end of time.
4: What did we think of the Scooby-Doo gang? I quite like that idea, and I thought it worked very well.
1: I really liked what I'm now referring to as Ultimate Team Pond, as Laura was <laughs> saying. I love the fact that Rory and Amy have got really good at this now, and they are... You know they work so well together and they don't put a foot wrong mm. and they're really sort of self-possessed and brilliant characters that i really love now i really love the ponds i am going to be sad when they leave and yes. i think they have a great yeah. episode here
3: what you mentioned about Team Scooby-Doo I think could have fitted very easily into the classic series just imagine Solomon pulling off his head revealing (laughs) that he's actually the master I could have gone away (laughs) with it it worked for you meddling kids that sort of thing yeah
1: but if he was the master he would have had a
2: name like Ah. Termas Ah. 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 it would have been an anagram of master Ramster Tremas or whatever it was yeah Yeah, Tremas hi there I'd like to buy a second hand dinosaur please certainly sir Although we prefer the term previously enjoyed. Uh, What kind of dinosaur are you in the market for?
1: Oh, I don't know, really. Something with a bit of leg room. Maybe a brontosaurus or a tetrahedron.
2: Well, that second one is a shape, so I'm not sure we can help with that, sir.
1: What? A tetrahedron? You're joking. I picked one up on eBay last week. Lovely condition. Like an elephant, but all hairy.
2: Well, that's not a tetrahedron, sir. That's a woolly mammoth. No. Which is also not a dinosaur. Do you have any tetrapacks? No, sir.
1: Well, that's a shame. I thought you were meant to specialise in all kinds of dinosaurs. Oh,
2: we do, sir. But you see, a a tetrapack is also not a dinosaur. Really? What is it
1: then? Some kind of squirrel? No. Like a prehistoric squirrel? It's a
2: container used to store juice. Well, okay, you're the expert. What do you have in stock then? Dinosaurs, sir. Probably the last dinosaurs in existence. Liberated? No, no. Rescued from the clutches of an ancient and terrible reptilian warrior race.
1: Good grief.
2: Now looking for a good home.
1: Well, I've always fancied a T-Rex. Well, you're in luck, sir. We have one of those. Several, in fact. Ooh, what colour is it? Green. Brilliant, that was my top choice, that or silver. What's it upholstered in? Lizard skin. Nice. New model, is it?
2: No, I think we can safely say it's vintage. A classic, you might say.
1: Reliable. Still going strong. Fuel efficient. Runs on red meat and water.
2: Convertible. I have no idea what that means in this context, sir. I'll take it. So I'm so glad. I'll just need to take your... Oh, I'm sorry. I've just been informed that our latest shipment has been lost in a tragic accidental missile attack. We'll have no stop for the foreseeable future.
1: Oh, dear. That's a shame. Can I help you
2: with anything else, sir? Well, now
1: you mention it, if I can't have dinosaurs, there's really only one viable alternative. You don't have any Egyptian princesses, do you?
2: Funny you should mention that.
4: I really like the idea of the Doctor picking up mates from around different points in mm-hmm. history and, you know, really sort of like full of guts and up for adventure type people that yeah. he gets on well And with.
2: I, I really liked, I, as a character, uh, Riddell, even though he was like a massive walking... Um, uh, Cliché. ...clippinous entendre and just, yeah. That was compensated by the fact that, that either Amy or Nefertiti put him down at every turn. I, I don't think that's an issue. I thought he was just a fun, <laughs> a really fun character. And I, I like Rupert Graves. So, you yeah. know.
3: Do you think that the doctor's collecting companions to try and fend off the darkness in himself? Isn't Whoa. that why he
2: always collects a companion? I suppose Ooh. so. But I think it's even Nicely more dumb.
3: prescient this time. I think if somebody else had been hanging around in the cabin when he decided he was going to kill Solomon, they might have gotten in the way.
1: Uh, maybe. Oh, maybe. That's true. I'm still holding out for consequences on that one. Mm, I still yeah. hope that that isn't just going to be left dangling. Well, the next episode is called A Town Called Mercy.
3: I think we should stop dreaming of the quiet life.
1: No, no, what? nobody Sorry, gets that. that, that. A tumbleweed. Just... <laughs> just, yep. just explain it to us.
0: Yeah. Stop dreaming of the quiet life. It's a
3: town called
1: Malice.
3: No, Andy, it's, it's a song okay.
2: by a popular beat combo called The Jam mm-hmm. oh, yeah. from the late 70s. So yeah. probably when you were, you know, just starting work as a Shut 25 up. year old or whatever. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we love you, Andy. And your crinkly face. Shut up!
4: <laughs> Welcome to Paleolithic... Autumn Watch with me, Bill Udi, And
3: me, Kate Mumble.
4: Although you won't be hearing much from us for a while this week, later on we'll be here to update you on the progress of our Pteranodon family as the eggs near the hatching stage.
3: We're all very excited about that, let me tell you.
4: And we'll also have a look at the footage from our night cameras over by the nesting Velociraptors. We think we might have some pretty exciting stuff there as our cameraman didn't come back this morning.
3: But just before we came on air, we were told that JR Partley, out on the beaches somewhere roundabouts, so has spotted something really very exciting. So we'll throw straight over to him live now.
2: Hello, Jim? Hello, Bill. I'm out here on the Solomon Sands watching for any kind of life that might be new and exciting to talk about. Ah, lovely. How's that going? Plenty new, not much exciting. Until now. Let me put this in a little context for you. Here on the sands, we're surrounded on three sides by high, plasticky cliffs. Not glamorous-sounding, maybe, but lovely to look at, and quite realistic if you squint and imagine you're somewhere like Minorca. The other side is bounded by the constant tidal beauty of the ocean that is forever moving, but never encroaching on the beach. Atop the cliffs, thousands of species of wispy plant life are visible perfect hiding places for new laid eggs of some of the more secretive of our plodding violent friends and then just a few moments ago something different and altogether rather more wonderful appeared cresting the horizon like a bird in the distance birds in the distance kestrels to be precise I'm thrilled to say that I can still see them too getting much closer to me in, in fact, much closer than before. They're not yet like the kestrels you and I know and love. They're much pointier and bonier. Much more like pterodactyls than kestrels at this stage. So much so that you'd almost swear that they were pterodactyls. But if we wait for this one here to get a little closer... Oh my good God, that's huge. It is a pter- Ah! That's hurting my arm, you! Yeah? Well,
4: we'll see if we can catch up with Jim a little later on.
3: For now, though, let's go to Riddle for our regular poo identification spot.
2: So that's about all the time we have for reviewing the episode. Uh, Let's sum up by going round our table and uh, summing what we thought up in, I don't know, short sentence? Short sentence. Short sentence. Uh, Laura?
3: I think it was like a skewball pony. There were parts of it that were quite sort of bright- And parts of it that were a bit dull.
2: Chris?
1: It's completely changed my mind about Chris Chibnall. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. It was good, dumb entertainment, and that's what I wanted that week. I loved it. I
4: agree with Chris. I thought it was a right laugh. Uh, Plenty of hoot, out loud moments, but I'm still not very happy about
2: the doctor killing someone. Um, So I'll do mine in the form of a haiku. Black Marketeer nicked ancient space arc to sell on. Gets booming profit. Ooh,
1: that's It's clever. a pun. What, what? <laughs> for people who didn't get that booming, you see, is you have booming profits, but also boom is the sound an explosion makes,
2: but and, not in space. Andy, and demonstrate for us. <coughs> oh, and now facile. I'll demonstrate
3: the space version.
2: Ah, oh, see you did that.
3: Yeah, nice.
1: In space, no one can hear you boom.
3: And in space earlier this week, several astronauts fixed a screw with a toothbrush.
1: Well, hey, guys. Thank you very much for spending some time with us this week. We'll be back next week with a review of A Town Called Mercy. But until then, uh, it's goodbye for me, Chris Sigma. And me, Laura Sigma.
2: And me, Chris Alpha. And me, Andy. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: Bye. Goodbye.
2: Bye.
0: You that you were a vegetarian And when you fetch the pole when to save our soul We rode without a saddle, we'll never be apart When the robots came, the smell of cinders and pain perfumed almost everything. That Solomon is hush, and in the smoke and fume, death took hold. To my voice the tears crept, a crack in the oncoming storm And as the ship spun round, fled missiles fired from the ground Forever to search for the flame, extinct again, extinct again